you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL podcast might return punts this season. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Ow! Welcome back from the weekend. I just landed. Uh, I got back into the state yesterday, flew in from Texas. Another week. Just a weekend in Texas. Weekend in Texas, family reunion, uh, my wife's family. So as you can imagine, when you don't see a lot of family on the other side and then you fly out of state to visit mm. them, they don't know what to talk to you about, so you just end up talking about your job. So they're talking to me about football all weekend. <laughs> well, got a lot, a lot of, of football to talk about suddenly. It's like news is flowing. You, right, but they're not the hero. They're all college people down there. They don't really care. But they did, you know, they told me. Millennials? I learned a lot about, no, these are, you know. Into college uncles, football. Oh, college football. And, um, you know, I learned, you had a lot of Bryce Petty discussions. Uh, I learned about the Josh Gordon drive through incident while he was at Baylor when he passed out at a drive through That was cool. And um, some sad stories about Vince Young. Who hasn't done that? Pass out at a drive through Who went to UT, of course, and has a steakhouse that he apparently hangs around. Were you, like, delivering multiple hot takes because you're, like, an NFL writer and they're just sitting around as you're holding court? No. No. I barely existed there. I was just kind of, like, part of the wallpaper. Occasionally dipped into the conversation. It was nice, though. How was your weekend, Sessler? You know, you had a little me time, a little alone time, which is a rare thing in a household where you normally two kids. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, every once in a while in a blue moon, just a little dash of solitude is not a bad thing. Also hung out with Wes when a little bit on Saturday. Colleen Wolf and her husband, John, and Ali Bomporti. Wow. I like uh, Mark steering it away from what was going on in his house when yeah. he was alone because you know there was something cooking. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> I'm just saying, I I know you. Something was cooking at that house when you had some time to yourself. I'm going to leave it there. I'm just saying there was something cooking. Admit there was something cooking. I don't even, I would something honestly. bubbling up. Yeah. I have no idea what you're referencing, but I will go with it. By the way, Dash of Solitude, uh, that was the name of Mark's first poetry collection. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, and Greg, do you have anything to share about? No, you? I got nothing. You know, I'm boring. Did you do anything? I don't know. Nothing exciting. Played tennis. You know, there we go. Went and saw a friend. <laughs> exactly. Local white plays tennis. <laughs> Greg shifts quietly into eighth decade. Well, Dan, in fact, yes, I did meet a girl over the weekend. You did? Oh yeah. Well, Thanks for asking. Wait a second. I didn't know you met a girl. Oh yeah. Well, well, all right. How all right. about you, know, you brought it up? Was it your Earl Campbell dish sister? Uh, I met her in Santa Monica before we all went out on Saturday. Hung out with her for a little bit. Good times. You was it a date? Uh, it was more like she texted me that morning and said, "Why don't you stop by my shop where I work?" And hubba, hubba. it was just a chance to meet and see if we were, there would be a second meeting. Wow! And there will be. Where? When? Uh, later this week. Either playing ping pong or going to dinner. Exact location. We're going to get some now cameras there. <laughs> is she flawed? Uh, yes, I believe she is flawed. <laughs> Excellent. But not broken beyond repair. And that, yeah, that's an important distinction. Uh, so, wow, pretty active weekend um, all around. Uh, but now we're back in it. We're back in the middle of training camp, uh, smack in the middle of training camp. Very busy time. So we have a busy show with a lot of news, uh, which we're going to get into. Um, you know, who's who still hasn't reported to camp now? Is there anyone left? Mark, I think the Lions right, have. Come it's, out. You know what, Lions? Get to camp. That I, is ridiculous. I am waiting for the narrative whenever something goes wrong for the Lions this year. Oh, well, Jim Caldwell didn't didn't have him in training camp early enough. That's the reason why they're struggling. <laughs> I saw Jim Caldwell in Texas sleeping on the, uh, one of the you know, the cabana thing sure. uh, at my parents' uh, lake house, or my, my in-laws' lake house. That's where he is. He's asleep at the switch. Vacation winds on. Anyway, so we're going to talk about all that. Uh, we're also going to play uh, a, ca- a game called Arrow Up, Arrow Down, where we mm. look at um, what we've seen so far from the teams that have been, you know, smart enough to get to work. Jim Caldwell, uh, and you know, who's off to a promising start? Who's who are we a little worried about? Who, you know, who's a little slow out of the gate? So we're each going to throw out some uh, some different options there, player and team. Uh, but before any of that, we check behind the glass. TD, parts unknown, uh, not with us today. But we do have the Irishman, Brandon McGinnist. Yeah, patience is a virtue, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this as I survived the tropical island. Everyone else is gone. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. A call back right. to our last show. Where, where is uh, everyone else? Where is Sully? Sully's not here. TD's off. Who knows? Wow, it does. You, you piece it together. Brandon is here, so the Irishman wins, despite his pale complexion. Looking tan. Which I thought for a moment maybe you took a you were offended by, but you know. The Irish, they don't have dark skin. No. All right. Let's do some news, buddy. <laughs> you got it. All right, let's start with some big Seahawks news. Two big signings that we had been waiting on for some time, and they finally go down. First, Russell Wilson, the quarterback, signs a four-year contract extension worth $87.6 million, includes a $31 million signing bonus, $61.53 million in guarantees. Uh, that's a $21.9 million average per season, just behind Aaron Rodgers. And, Greg, four-year extension. That means he could hit the market again at age 30. Cha-ching! Well, I'm going to start with a random point, which is that it's not really the second-best quarterback contract behind Aaron Rodgers at all. It's a five-year deal worth $89 million, which is significantly better 
than the Joe Flacco contract or the Tony Romo. And I think you look at it as a contract that's good for both sides. I'm not going to get too caught up in, in the money thing, but ultimately I think it's a very team friendly deal. And what Russell Wilson got in res- in return was that he gets to be a free agent again when he's 30. I like what Greg tweeted out and wrote in his, what we learned on Friday, which was kind of a slap down to all these people saying, oh, "Oh, the Seahawks, they've got all this money tied up with all these players. It's going to create issues. Well, what they have is an amazing core that's going to be together for the next three, four-plus years, creating one of the larger Super Bowl windows we've seen in ages from any team. As long as they have a front office and coaching staff that can identify young talent in the draft. They won't, what they won't be able to do is go out in free agency and, and spend on mid-tier guys that can make a difference. You need to have – You need. You don't to want to hitting. anyways, really. Right, and right. That's, a, that's a very fair point. But you, you have to keep hitting on the second and third rounders, and there's no reason to think that they won't. So, yeah, they're very well set up. They have the best nucleus in the NFL. Russell Wilson, Jimmy Graham, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Michael Bennett, Marshawn Lynch, Bobby Wagner. There are teams in the NFL who don't have one player as good as those guys. <laughs> right. Those guys that you mentioned are all signed through 2017, which is crazy. And you left out a couple lesser players that you could throw in there. K.J. Wright's a very good player. Cliff Averill signed through 2017. That is an insane core. And it's not like, okay, now they can be – uh, the top team in the league with that core sign long-term. If you look at Football Outsiders' numbers, which I trust a lot in terms of their team numbers, they have been the number one team in the league three straight years. People forget they were a great team in 2012. So they've already had a pretty wide-open window, and it's going to be, you know, stay in for the next few years. If they don't win another Super Bowl, it's a massive disappointment. I agree. Russell, I, I think that's true. Russell Wilson tweeted a, a classic Russell Wilson Blessed to be with this organization for four more years. Can't wait to get on field with the fellas. Who says fellas anymore, Russ? Also, the Damashek. Yeah, Damashek for one. Yeah, but that's sticky. Let's face it. Well, actually, no, it's not because he talks in real life like that too. <laughs> hey, fella. Dave is the most interesting guy. I had a really sad dream. <laughs> I should talk. Here comes Dan <laughs> yeah. backpedaling really bad. Really big I'm not time on the Damashek. At all. Um, I texted. I had a dream over the weekend while I was in Texas that Dave passed away. Oh, wow. suddenly. And it was so vivid and detailed that my wife and I were driving to Dave's significant other's house to console her when I woke up and I woke up sad, which oh. showed that I really care for Dave. And I texted Shaq and it's like, Shaq, you straight up died in my dream. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't take that well. That it was some sort I of think, Machiavellian thing that you were secretly wishing for. I'll tell you what he replied. <laughs> I, by the way, while we're talking dreams, I, not to get too far off, I had a very vivid dream. And I'm not making this up. I meant to text you guys about this, that uh, we were at the Super Bowl and the Giants won 35-32 to 32 over your New York Jets. <laughs> and the big it. part of the dream was really I was feeling bad because I had assigned the, the game story to Dan but then I realized as it was over, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have assigned that to Dan because he must be taking this hard since it was the Jets that just lost the Super Bowl. Do you want me to interpret this dream for okay. you? Okay. It's, uh, there's a fondness. You want, there's some part of you who wants to move back to New York. <laughs> wow, that's Ooh, interesting. interesting. I like that. By the way, Sheck's response was, dream come true for everybody. Sorry you had to wake from it. Thanks for checking in on my girl, though. <laughs> That's hilarious. Classic check. Uh, the Seahawks also uh, signed Bobby Wagner, their linebacker, to a $43 million extension uh, worth $22, uh, $22 million in guarantees. And, Greg, you wrote this post of this thing that jumped out to me. 
you wrote that Wagner could be the number two player behind Earl Thomas in ranking irreplaceable Seahawks defenders. <laughs> Richard Sherman's going to come get you, boy. I, I think when Wilson, when Wagner rather is at his best, that he would be harder to replace than Richard Sherman just with their system. His speed and just everything he brings to them and him leading that linebacker group is unique. Richard Sherman didn't get any MVP votes last year. Right, that's true. Bobby Wagner did. Thank <laughs> well, you, Tony Dungy. <laughs> I mean, he he's, to me, he's also the guy calling the plays. Bobby Wagner, he's known. You can just see him showing up. I, I'm thinking back to the Super Bowl. He had an unbelievable game in the Super Bowl when a lot of his defense, who's supposed to be the greatest defense ever, you know, didn't play their best. One thing about the Seahawks and talking about how long they'll be competitive, and I think they're I think they're a fun team to watch, so I don't have a problem with them staying this way, but they're a team that in 2012, you mentioned they were a great team that season at the end. They started to peak hard, and they firebombed the Niners 42-13 to on a Sunday night game, and I happened to be off, but this was the moment that the Seahawks became alive to me completely. I was at this place, Irish Times, that Wes has been to with me, and so has Dan a few times, but at night, no one's there. You can watch the game, but there was a Seahawks fan in a button-up like red, or a Niners fan in a button-up red sweater, drinking like a glass of white wine, thinking his team's just going to keep rolling. Sounds like a 49ers fan. Seahawks airbomb and this guy's like a casual fan that had never heard of Russell Wilson or anyone. He's just standing there going, who are these people? What is this team? And I was like, the Seahawks are born. And, and they're, I think they're, I don't think they're underrated in any way, but their level of dominance for three straight years, we haven't seen a lot of that, even out of the Patriots or the Colts. The only teams that are vaguely similar since 2000 are teams run by Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. But this is a three-year run where you could see it another three or four years, and you didn't really see it at that high a level, will, even from Pitt, Pats, or Colts. One thing, though. Only one Super Bowl trophy out of it. So, yes, so it's been a dominant run so far, but you you almost put them ahead of the Seahawks, or the Patriots. Patriots were winning rings, and I... you know. Also, me, Doug weird. Baldwin begs to differ with you on whether the Seahawks are underrated or not. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. All right, uh, moving on. So, good job, Seahawks. You will be good for some time. I like the Dan defend, <laughs> defending the Pats there, though. That's on well, I'm just saying, you've got to win it. you got to win it. And there was a time where the, the 49ers, who you were just referencing, the wind, the, the future was endless and sure. they were going to be good for right. years. But there does seem to be a difference, especially at the quarterback position, that Russell Wilson is going to be great for a long, long time. All right, moving on. The Eagles have made another trade. Uh, sending cornerback Brandon Boykin to the Steelers for a conditional fifth-round pick in 2016. Kind of surprising move. Boykin has been their slot guy for some time, and he's been effective. Uh, but he never was going to get a, a role on the outside, I guess, as a cornerback, despite the Steelers not having a lot of talent there. Um, excuse me, the Eagles having a lot of talent there. And, you know, afterwards then, of course, the more drama with Boykin coming out and saying that, that uh, Chip Kelly was uncomfortable with men of our culture. So bringing that race thing up again regarding Chip Kelly, Kelly he, he later backed off it a little bit uh, in speaking with Judy Batista of NFL Media about it. But Chip Kelly again dealing with fallout of getting one of his players and, and race being tied back to it. Well, I think Boykin said he's, he's not a racist in any way and, and then explained it in his mind, that he just doesn't know how to talk to players. It's almost more of like a human thing. He brought up the example of just passing him other players in the hall and not talking to him. Now, that's something you could see Bill Belichick and plenty of coaches kind of being like, but I guess you need the results. Sensitive millennials. That's what we're dealing with here. Well, he did say, I'm just saying there were times people wanted to be able to relate to him better, and it didn't happen. That people were asking to, trying to maybe get to know him, and it just... 
there's nothing there. He's well, weird. Well, it might be something to the to the uh, a learning curve for Chip Kelly. I think Bill Belichick would say that he's gotten better at re- at relating to players and, and at least having like some sense of humor. I think Nick Saban really struggled with that coming from college. Maybe that's a little bit Can't where the college see? coach thing hurts him. Can't you see in like five years Chip Kelly wins a Super Bowl and they're doing some profile on him on CBS or Fox and like the ch- the new Chip and he's like he's friends with players and they come over for Thanksgiving. Like Tom Coughlin. Like to, that, the point I'm making is, yeah, maybe he will learn how to do this because he in college, I guess you didn't have to be that guy. But at the pro level, I think some of these guys are like, listen, you can't treat us like college kids. We're grown men. Now. Well, I think what's even odder, though, is that you'd think at the college level there would be more fraternizing, more kind of rah-rah type coaches than at the pro level. I do expect them to be more robotic and removed and people walking by each other in the hallway. I think from the Steelers' point of view on this, their second-round pick, Senkez Golson, right as we were going up to podcast, there yeah. was a story in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that he won't, he might need season-ending surgery already on his shoulder. So he was supposed to play the slot. Boykin comes in. He's one of the best slot corners in the NFL. I can see why Chip Kelly, who has pretty strict physical requirements, the cornerbacks have to be tall with long right. arms. And your knee has to be X amount of width. I don't, you know, I could see how Boykin <laughs> fell out of favor there. Well, and Boykin was in the last year of his contract. I think they just had made a decision. He wasn't a guy that they were going to re-sign. So now they're getting something for him, uh, a four-year player, whether it's a fifth or fourth-round pick. I think you have to be careful, though, trading around, trading veterans who are good contributors. And for the Steelers, I think this could be a really big move. I mean, It's, an, it's a good move for them. They're a Super Bowl potential type of team. And even if it's a guy who's only helping him for one year, he might be the best cornerback on their team right now. And you just pick that up for a mid-round pick. And, yeah, I think this Chip Kelly, this will be one of the more interesting plot lines. He's traded away a lot of talent. He believes in a scheme above all else. But at what point do you trade away too much talent? I mean, is he trusting his scheme too much is the question. Well, I think part of it is he has to feel confident that he has a long leash and a lot of time to create this super team that Wes just pointed out. It's certain types of physicality for certain, certain positions, and he certainly wants everyone to buy into the culture, and that's not going to happen. You're not going to get that roster in two seasons. Well, part of the system is trusting that you can replace a lot of people fast and that they'll be okay. I don't think he cares as much about continuity as the average coach. He had an entirely new secondary last year. It did not work last Last year, and then think about what they have now. Eric Rowe, their second-round pick, is probably going to be starting. Byron Maxwell is a free agent pickup. And now the favorite to replace Boykin is a sixth-round pick named Ja'Cory Shepard, who they, who they like a lot. And so that's an entirely new That's a lot of trust. You know the other system. team that does that, especially with their offensive skill players? The Patriots. They rotate more guys in and out year to year than any team around. And every season, it's how is this guy going to do it, and then they do it. Kelly needs his Tom Brady if that's going to work. That's fair. Uh, moving on, we touched on this a little bit because it was breaking while we were doing the show on Thursday. Sheldon Richardson, uh, the Jets' defensive tackle, um, it the news came to light at, both to us, uh, you know, fans in the media, and the Jets that he had been um, arrested, charged with resisting arrest and various traffic violations um, back in July, an incident in his hometown uh, in Missouri. Uh, and the 24-year-old pro bowler was clocked at speeds of up to 143 miles per hour in a Bentley. There was a 12-year-old, 12-year-old kid in the back seat. This prompted a lot of wild speculation on Twitter that this was the end of Sheldon Richardson in the NFL, but he's going to – looks like he's dodged any uh, serious felony charges 
and it's just going to be that resisting arrest charge. But at the same time, this ha- this happened right after his suspension uh, for the use of uh, uh, drugs, uh, marijuana, and now the Jets don't know what to do with this guy, and they don't know when he's going to get back on the field. If, I, if I'm ranking dumb hot takes of the week, number one is that Seahawks sort of hot take. Oh, they've got too many great players <laughs> under uh, long contracts. That's yeah. going to really come back to haunt them. And number two was – uh, the report where uh, Sheldon Richardson's career might be over in the wake of this. That, that, that came out as a tweet, three different NFL sources, which seemed totally bizarre. Within a day, this is already backed off. It's a big problem for Sheldon Richardson and the Jets, but it's already backed off the child endangerment charges, as you mentioned. No drug charges involved. It's ultimately going to be traffic, and it, it's a problem it's a- for him. It, resisting arrest is a bad thing, but saying his career is going to be over is right. insane. People won't even Junior remember Gl- this a year from now. Junior Glett was out of the league for three days. I mean, there's he no got lucky. If if it would have been the child endangerment charge, then you're looking at you know you're looking at all the type of problems that Adrian Peterson had last year, where the league will be forced to act in its mind potentially, and he'll end up sitting. As it stands now, it's not going to go down this way. Todd Bowles talked about. Um, literally an issue they're having right now, which is, can we trust this guy? Uh, Mike McCagnan said Bowles talked about the idea that he's a guy that has problems right now. He's remorseful. I mean, you know, it's hard to say a guy's a good guy when two things like this happen, but he's a good guy. And But good guys don't always do the right things. And he's a young man, and you don't get too many chances to turn your life around. And right now he's going down a spiraling road and he understands or he needs to understand that he needs to turn his life around and and this has nothing to do with football see one thing there i mean we know what we know about him is what's out there about him but what the coaches and the front office and the scouts and everyone that works with him day to day they know him up front and so they're going to make the final judgment on whether a good guy doesn't mean much it doesn't mean much well it means whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, and they said they've lost some trust in him, he's going to miss more time this year than just the first four games of, of the season, we think. You would imagine that the suspension that he has to start the season is either going to get extended or he'll come back and then he'll get suspended again. Who knows how long these things play out, but this is a guy in his contract year trying to make that money, trying to help the Jets win games, and he's going to miss a big chunk of the season. It's also two weeks, less than two weeks after the suspension, he got suspended. The other thing the police noted that there was a strong scent of marijuana in the car. Now, that's not to say he was smoking the weed in the car, but, I mean, obviously he's making some crappy decisions right now. (laughs) And well, I'm worried about it. And the hot take that he's not going to play again is absurd, and I think we all, everyone sees that. But the, the fact that he may not play for the Jets again is not absurd. I think it, that's they, absurd, too. I, I, now, I, think I it, now think that's absurd. After this season, I don't think they're going to – they may not keep him around. That's all. Clarify, he's not in the contract year, is he? No. This is only Oh, 30. sorry. He's yeah. looking – Wilkerson's – Yeah, my fault. They're Mo, Mo Wilkerson. But it is something that could eventually affect Sheldon Richardson's money. Um, and – I think he will be back. I think he'll be playing with the Jets this year. Why Why not? Yeah, I think this happened in late July, early August. By November, it'll be an afterthought. Speaking of bonehead off-the-field uh, moves, the Bills have suspended Aaron Cromer, their offensive line coach, for the first six games of the 2015 season. Team announced Sunday. Of course, Cromer uh, was arrested for allegedly punching a teenage boy uh, around near his house because the some boys were fishing on, uh, near his property and he didn't want them on the chairs, so he ended up getting into a scuffle and punching the boy. Allegedly, the charges were dropped, but apparently enough went down that the bill said, you got to go away for six weeks. Aaron Cromer suspended. Well, the charges were dropped, but a settlement 
was reached between Cromer and mm. and the family of the boy. So we don't. That's going to be confidential. But someone got paid. I mean, Greg, when you were young, did you ever say. branch out into a neighbor's yard and just sit on their chairs and play around on their furniture? No, I ke- I kept to myself. Sure. You know, I went over the Nelson across the street a little I just bit. Mess with the neighbor's stuff. Sure. Hmm. We were relatively well behaved, I think. Hmm. Well, I'm not saying we were like hooligans setting that the lawn on fire, but I mean, you're just, you know, you're. By the way, Aaron Cromer, he was also the snitch uh, or the guy behind the scenes in Chicago, if everyone remembers, that uh, talked badly about Jay Cutler and then tearfully apologized <laughs> no uh, to the quarterback, Jay, uh, after it came out in the media. So Aaron Cromer, I kind of. By the way, that police report also said that he threatened to kill the boys' family if they went to the police. So Aaron Cromer, a good team to be, you know, build a bully. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just just imagine. I've been honking about the whole Richardson thing. That of course it's not going to be the end of his career. The NFL, if you have a modicum of talent that belongs in the league, you're going to get extra chances. And Aaron Cromer's getting an extra chance. And you know who he's going to be coaching in week seven is Richie Incognito when he comes back. I mean, that's that's a great combo. The Cromer Incognito <laughs> second chance tour. And and to speak to Greg's point of talent connecting with getting a job, even if you're a jerk, uh, Junior Gallette has reached a one-year deal with the Redskins released uh, after you know less than a week after his release from the Saints. He joins the Redskins. Um, of course, Gallette's career in uh, New Orleans went down in flames shortly after signing a big extension last September. Uh, he ended up getting $18 million for 10 months with the Saints, and now he's on a one-year deal with the Redskins. Greg, you'll get into why it's a very interesting deal. Uh, but the the quote that jumped out to me was Junior Collette. I'm just thankful to be with such a functional organization. Referring to the Redskins. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, Wes is shaking his head. They're quite possibly the most dysfunctional organization in the NFL over the past half decade. And I think Greg, you know, tweeted the other day, good tweet. The Saints seem dysfunctional after handing this guy $18 million. The Redskins, to me, seem even more dysfunctional for signing a head case mm. like this. I, see, I don't agree that, that it's when you're the Redskins and you've got nothing going on and your defense was one of the worst last year, then suddenly in early August, late July, a premier pass rusher becomes available and you're a new GM. I don't know. Yeah, they didn't pay him much money. He got vet- him for the league minimum. Yeah, for the league minimum, and you can just cut him anytime you feel like it. If he says something stupid, I mean, this is the I way just to have take a chance. Major issues with Ray Rice getting blackballed. Mm. Uh, what happened with Adrian Peterson all last year? These long suspensions, and then Junior Gallette is just allowed to come in and sign. And people like Peter King are praising it as a great move. I agree. That from a football side, I don't have a problem with signing. There is a, there is something going on. Last year was probably the worst time ever. To do anything as a yes, player that, that got on the radar, than the NFL, right? And they got caught in, caught up in that, I believe. And it is uneven with how what happened with Gallette here. It's uneven. I hear you on that, but I don't. It's from a football even, side, I don't have a problem taking a swing at a player that has a lot of upside. He's coming off a torn pectoral muscle too. I mean, this is I don't, bad teams do that, and they get to match his contract next year, which you never hear about. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of that—a right to first refusal next year. So it's a it's a very team friendly contract for what it's worth. But but I understand it. And I understand it. it's like, do you really trust Dre, Jay Gruden to handle another personality? Because there's a lot of – that. that's a team that has a weird sort of mix. Well, it's honestly going to come down to not so much Jay Gruden than his position coach and his defensive coordinator. That's who spends all the time with him. And they, and they hopefully those guys all had a chance to sign off on it. But 
it's the point we just made with all these players. The guy can play. He's going to get another chance. There's no way he's going to sit on his butt all offseason. I understand making mistakes. We all do. But this guy has shown, like, not even a modicum of remorse. The reason now, I— even, even when he signs, he takes a crack at the Yeah, stand. I mean, right. I think that's an important part of the process. You have to go through a humbling and a reevaluation of your life, like other players have had to do. This guy isn't being forced to do that. Mm. The difference, Mark, what I was saying when I think it's a desperate move, it's like you're taking a guy with talent and you're a team that hasn't won. You've finished last place seven out of eight years, and you know he's a cancer in a locker room, and he's fresh off that locker room, and you're going to bring him in. Yeah, you can get rid of him quickly, but what's the damage a guy can do? I just feel like a good like a good team, the Steelers, the Giants, they would never bring in a guy like this, but the Redskins well, do. That's that's fair. I just think that if you're Jay Gruden, you have to go, go into the season knowing that there's maybe only one or two other coaches on as burning a hot seat as you are. And you have a new GM who might want to get rid of you in one year. You're having issues with the owner over the starting quarterback. If you can get someone in there that can sack the quarterback, it's the hardest position to find this time of the year. Some coaches are going to do it. Most said no. Uh, moving on, Mark. Speaking of the quarterback position. <laughs> Were we speaking of the quarterback position? It doesn't matter. Maybe. He yes. said the words quarterback yeah. position. Yeah. Excellent transition. Uh, thank you. So, Dwayne Bowe, who's your boy, who's the star wide receiver <laughs> on your favorite team, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> All right. That will be fine. Um, had this to say about Josh McCown, your middling starter. Uh, <laughs> quote, he's showing all the potential of being a top five quarterback in the NFL, Bowe said. And, Mark, you wrote um, a heat-seeking missile on our site uh, that began your writing. Where to begin? So, Mark, uh, begin. Well, I mean. Your response. He's he's calling him a potential top five. McCown is in the bottom five <laughs> of starters, and he in, he's not even a starter in most teams' eyes. So, you know, I guess you'd have to really look at even in the AFC North, if you're an Andy Dalton fan, he's not even in the top three in the AFC North, Josh McCown. <laughs> what does it say about Alex Smith that he spends a few days in Brown's camp and he's ah! already considering Josh right. McCown top five? Well, that, here's the thing. This is the same day that Dwayne Bowe also said that he's never seen a receiver, you know, uh, adapt to the position as fast as Terrell Pryor. First of all, how many receivers have you ever seen do that? Right. He also said that the practice, I think it was the second day of Brown's practice, one of the best practices he's been a part of in nine years. <laughs> right. And in Joe Hayden is the best cornerback he's seen since Champ Bailey. Oh, I, I like mean, Dwayne Bowe that at least he's positive. Listen, well, the one true. thing that I do, when it comes to Josh McCown, though, I think what he's done, they, they had issues last year, obviously, with Manziel and Hoyer, and I think that McCown has come in and just been – a veteran that all the players like. They like him. He's not a head case. He's a he's not a me first dude. That's the good part. Can he play? Come on. We have. I, I mean, has he never never played sixteen games in one season? I thought he went a little too far, Bo, when he said Berea was one of the top three vacation destinations. No, oh, he did not say <laughs> that. In the entire world. Let's sum up this article with Mark Sessler's conclusion. <laughs> if nothing else, his beautiful mind sees proud tomorrows for a team long trapped in a dystopian hellscape. <laughs> well, they have been. It's been a hellscape. That was on NFL.com. I asked, I, when I was writing this, I asked Wes, would you rather go into a season with a talented team knowing that you can have for 16 games, no injury, Andy Dalton or Josh McCown? And you struggled with the answer. You had to think about it. I eventually conceded Dalton, but I could see how if you want your quarterback to not make mistakes in a big game, you might lean towards anybody but Dalton. Mm. I, You're also the biggest McCown fan there is. Other that's than, fair. Other than Dwayne Bow. Mark, I think I figured it <laughs> that's out. That's fair. I think I figured it out. Josh McCown just misses being a top five quarterback 
in the AFC North. So we've got Big Ben, <laughs> right. Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, Terrell Pryor. We'll put him ahead. <laughs> Matt Schaub. No, oh, yeah. not Matt Schaub. Right. Yeah, that is right. AJ McCarron. Yeah, and then I'll slot no. in. I'll slot in Josh Josh McCown right at number six. Just misses. Wow. Well, then they already have a top five quarterback. On Landry the Jones, I would put ahead of. <laughs> no way, Landry Jones. Come on, Greg. Come on, the boss. Um, that is what's happening. By the way, the reason TD isn't here, uh, or at least part of the reason, is he flew to Texas. The, apparently, the league bankrolled the flight and hotel accommodations to Texas for the. Uh, Podcast, what was this called? The Academy of Podcasters Awards and HOF Ceremony in Fort Worth, Texas. We were nominated. Um, you know, we didn't hear from TD. And when you don't hear from your producer, <laughs> well, we usually don't hear from our producer whether the show's happening or not. But we did not hear. So Greg reached out, and, and what, what happened? Well, Four I, days later. I did reach out, and he told us we did not win the award. What? That's uh, an outrage. What's happening, fellas? We, we came up short. Grantland's uh, Jalen and Jacoby won the award. But TD Grantland did, still exists? Did, uh, <laughs> did tell me what he's learned. This is what he took away from oh, three good. days at this conference. He said, uh, encourage uh, listeners to su- subscribe to the show. That's going to put you in the top 20 in, in the iTunes. So if you're out there and you haven't subscribed for some reason, then subscribe. On but iTunes, I could have told TD that. Have yeah, we not been iTunes. banging that drum for not enough? Years? Yeah, Probably we don't, not we don't enough. Bang it. You know, you gotta. You know, we sometimes say leave the comments, you leave the stars, but it's really about subscribing. So just so it costs like what seven thousand dollars to right. bankroll TD to go and learn to tell us to subscribe, or to tell stuff. your friends to subscribe. <laughs> I was under the assumption that everybody listening was a subscriber. That's probably Isn't that how you listen. Well, I guess to the tell your tell your friends. That's probably true. Maybe subscribe on like four. This different has been devices. a massive point of departure in TD's career. I can tell this weekend. <laughs> He's come back with a lot of information. What's up, fellas? There can only be one champion, and you did not win in Fort Worth. But maybe next time. He he, he said he did. Uh, first of all, I said, did you confront anyone about this? About us not winning? Because I would have done that. If we right. <laughs> Uh, Greg Acosta He said he was disappointed, but he met a guy on the panel that did say he voted for us. Ooh. Uh, who knows? Maybe that guy was lying, though. Hmm. <laughs> Speaking of Texas, my sad Vince Young um, story in Texas. He lives in Austin. He has a steakhouse there, and uh, he eats many meals at the steakhouse. Hmm. That's like the whole a, story? It's like a late period. Well, it's most of the story. I can't tell the whole story. Uh, okay. I think it's just kind of sad. <laughs> Okay. I feel like you're leaving something out yeah, there. Yeah, I'll tell you guys later. Okay. But Vince is around, and he's he hand, Great radio. a lot of handshakes, and he's not in a rush to leave if you meet him. I think I think he has some time. Are you saying it. he swallowed the skipper? No. What does that mean? Oh, it's a line from Billy Madison where they're out on the boat, and it's, he says he looked like he swallowed the skipper. Hey, Gilligan, did you swallow the skipper? Oh, what, like he's overweight? Yeah. No, he's He said not. he eats a lot of meals there. He was just trying out for teams the, last year. That's where he gets free meals. Oh, okay. All right. Moving on. I, you know, you learn a lot about Texas football when you go down to Texas. Not all of it's like NFL headlines, but you learn about certain things. <sighs> Who's this girl, Wes? What's her name? <laughs> I, I, it's not far enough along for me to be dropping names. Okay. she from California? Not originally. Her name is Shelly Ann with a hyphen in between <laughs> Shelly and Ann. <laughs> all right. Arrow up, arrow down. That is the segment. Um Kind of like a stock watch, sort of. Kind of. Not stock up, stock down. Dare you say it's a winners and losers? Kind of a winners and losers. I would not be judging winners and losers after a few days of training camp, but that's just me. Okay, so this will be our opportunity to each give one 
player or team where you know things are looking good, the arrow is up, and you know conversely, a player or team where the arrow is pointing downward. And I look over to the quiet storm who's organizing his papers. It looks like he's ready to fire, so I might as well throw it to him. Well, you know, arrow up, Mark. We uh, arrow up. I'm going to go Terrell Pryor. Mm. Now I'm not Wes. I'm not calling him a lifelong winner of this training camp or this season, but the early press is good because I think number one, people thought, is he going to be a malcontent and not take this so-called quarterback to receiver switch? Even seriously, is he just trying to hang on and maybe enough quarterbacks get injured and he gets back into that conversation? But no, it sounds like from his position coach, basically said he's fast, he's huge, and, and Jay, Joe Hayden said it looks like it could work covering him. It looks like this could work, and we'll find out. I mean, that you had to go into games and do it, but his position coach raved about him, and he just said the guy's talented, talent wins ball games in a, in a Cleveland mm. Browns team. If, is he one of the 53 best players? If you look at the back end of that wide receiver group, I think he has a chance. Wait, because so what was that again? Talent wins ball games. I'm writing that down. <laughs> I'm looking at a sheet of paper with some quotes on there. Do you find it damning or concerning that Dwayne Bow, who is, you know, praising the janitor at that Indian burial ground that they call Browns Camp, didn't say anything about Terrell? No, Pryor? he did. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. I missed that. He, he loved him. Uh, the the most telling thing about Pryor was that he's getting some snaps with the first team. That just tells me that no, I really mean it. Well, he got, <laughs> no, he, he he got first team snaps. What he, is, whole, he just became a wide receiver yesterday. Well, hold on, but before this into turns into a chaotic nonsense, like he, <laughs> there were some players taking a rest and stuff. That's why it wasn't. He's our first teamer. I know that, but even that the coaches are mixing them in with the first teamers that they that they take it seriously enough. It's not just some clown show on the side. Well, He's got a chance here's to make the thing. He's 6'4", oh. 232. You know what? I get what you're saying, Mark. The arrow is up for Terrell Parrott right now. He's going in the right direction. In over three days of camp. Yes. I was being serious about the far- part that he's getting into the mix with the first team. It does show that I think they're taking it seriously as a guy who can make the team, which I wouldn't have necessarily thought right away. They don't have anyone. Arrow's with, up. They don't have anyone with that size speed coming. That's why it helps them because I think they – if we're going to say they have the, the, the lamest group of wideouts in the whole league, then he's landed on the right team. This is why I – sometimes I worry is Mark still a fan of the Browns. Just now, how upset Mark got there? There's no, because no, you know what? No when it's you three, want it's three Pryor people to work. cracking off. Oh, no, stop that's it. That's what it's we like, do. That's what we get do. Enough is I enough. I wasn't even cracking off. You took it that way. You're the one. You called. weren't. You're that sensitive way. because you oh, want in, Terrell Indian Pryor to work. Oh, Indian burial ground. When you, this is not unlike the Redskins. When you root for a bad team, this is the time of year where you hope someone that no one was expecting would play meaningful snaps can do it and do it well. Yes. Okay. Sorry, Mark. Let's move on. Charles Johnson. Arrow up. Arrow up, Chris Wesley. We were laughing at Charles Johnson a year and a half ago. Wow, we liked it. <laughs> is that guy? What's going on with Charles Johnson? Did I miss it? Did he have his ascendance yet? Oh, well, he's starting. Like, good player. Well stretch All right, here we go. All right, arrow up, Chris player. Wesley. Geno Atkins, mm. who uh, at the end of last year, his defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, said he was just a guy in 2014. Jag. He wasn't the all-pro that he was in 2012. I mean, we forget that this guy was battling J.J. Watt for defensive player of the year in 2012. Uh. They were the two best defensive linemen in football. Gross. One of the coaches said in the offseason that th- it's scary how scary how good, it, how explosive and fast Geno Atkins is playing. And then in the first week of camp, uh, the Bengals' website said, at this moment, this guy is the best player on the field on either side of the ball. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, one of the best guards in the league, is, has his hands full just trying to block this guy. He looks like, to me, he's back, and the Bengals need that because as loaded as their offense is, their only difference makers on defense really – 
are Geno Atkins and Vontez Perfect, and Perfect is a question mark to open the season. And they were last in sacks last year. Exactly. And this is one guy that can generate sacks from the inside. And I wonder with some of these dudes that are huge – that it's going to take more than one year to get off an injury like he had. If you're smaller like, and you're not putting as much weight and stuff on that body over the course, but he was just a dude last season, but it, it may be now he's fully healthy. He's who he was. When the coaches got on him, they weren't too uh, tricky about it, about his conditioning and everything like that, that maybe he didn't work hard enough to, to get back from that injury. And when I look at the Bengals, their defense, everyone forgot when their defense uh, – changed defensive coordinators last year. I mean, they got a lot worse. They were significantly worse. And the only way they're going to get better is if guys like Johnson and, and, I mean, Atkins and Michael Johnson, who's now back on the team and is going to be out four weeks with a sprained MCL, you know, suddenly improves. Because on paper, they don't look any better. Uh, Greg, your winner, or excuse me, your arrow going up. My arrow going up is for Sammy (laughs) Bradford. Ow, go for it. It was only a week ago when we, you know, we're putting sandwiches on the line, him versus – Darren McFadden, who's going to practice. We also You put a sandwich. Who's going to start week one? I got one? Wes and Sessler on the hook right now. I'm feeling good. Who's going to start week one, Bradford or Mark Sanchez? And at least to begin with, he's fully healthy or at least not limited to start camp. And Chip Kelly gave Bradford all of the first team reps on Sunday. I think that's kind of a statement saying this isn't a competition. Bradford's our guy. He's healthy right now. If it stays that way, he'll be the guy week one. I think it says a lot about Chip Kelly that even though over and over and over again he's stated that he wants Bradford to be his guy this season, that no one even believes him. Right. That it's even until we finally <laughs> see him take every single rep, they're like, oh, maybe Kelly's not just going to send him, send him away for a box of canned tomatoes because two days. If, <laughs> if he had his way, if the draft shook, shook out differently, Marcus Mariota would probably be his quarterback, right. no matter what he says. I would believe him if he didn't come straight out and say, look, this is a quarterback competition. Which is weird to say. He said this in the offseason. Yeah, it's a legitimate competition. And a legitimate competition isn't giving all the first-team reps to one guy. And supposedly Bradford didn't look great in his first practice or two, so that'll be something to to watch. You wouldn't necessarily expect him to be great his first-team drills in over a year, but he's he's setting up that this is really Bradford's to lose, that things are going to have to go terribly for him this month to lose it. Uh, a winner for me is the Giants' wide receiver combo of Odell Beckham Jr. and Victor Cruz. Uh, Beckham is and Cruz both not on the PUP list. They're practicing to start training camp. Beckham, this is important because he had the hamstring issues again crop up uh, during the uh, offseason practices, but it looks like he'll be okay. And Victor Cruz having that serious knee injury he's coming back from reports that he's looking good. So think about it. If Cruz is Cruz again and Beckham is what we all know he is, which is amazing, that is easily, Wes, when you write your uh, top t- your tandem wide receivers uh, column, which you did last year, if you did it again this year, if those guys are at full health, there's very few tandems that would be better than those two, right? Green Bay. Yeah, that's that's a good possibility. I guess with Victor Cruz, I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, I just – a torn patellar tendon, I just don't think he's going to be able to cut and explode like he did before that. So I guess I'm a skeptic when it comes to him. The other guy, like Ruben Randall, played well down the stretch too. I mean, they have they have more than just two guys. I think that offense is going to be son James Jones too, right? Yeah. They got some – I don't players. even know if he'll make the team. Yeah, he's, he's a roster bubble. Cruz supposedly looks solid. I mean, it's a great sign he's out there on the field. Sometimes avoiding the pup list, you know, that's nice. But we talked about Gurley, for instance, last week, Todd Gurley. You know, he avoided the pup list, but he's still only doing individual drills. They're still, you know, working him along pretty slow. He's not fully healthy at all. So, yeah, I agree with Wes. I'll kind of believe it when I see it with Cruz. 
All right, guys. A lot whatever. of skeptics. See, I, I didn't. I'm not taking it personally, though, Mark. See. Well, you're not talking about the Jets. You're talking about the other New York. I will team. be getting to the Jets. So, but in Europe, a former uh, Browns player is in your arrow down. Well, it category. has to be. I mean, it's <laughs> funny how that works. There's no way that you can. Well, no, it's Trent Richardson. <laughs> yeah. This is the guy that I have a sandwich wager with Dan on. We've mentioned this where. If he plays one more snap ever, Dan gives me a sandwich. So I thought at some point, he's only 24 years old, he's going to play another snap. But now I'm, now I'm wondering. Mm. Because the report out of Oakland is that from NFL media insider Ian Rappaport, a 50-50 chance to make the team. The guy is on the NFI list. He showed up. He didn't show up fat, but he, they wanted him down to 220. Wee. And he did, not make, he did not reach his goal in the offseason. This is a guy with a 3.3 Yards per carry, career average. I don't know. They've got Michael Dyer there, who's jumped out of camp. They said, mm. and they've got <laughs> the immortal Michael Dyer. Michael Dyer. You could go to all the other podcasts in the world on the site, wherever. You're not finding Michael Dyer he anywhere else. That's coming to you straight Mark. from the city. Michael Dyer was the starter or played with the uh, Cam Newton's Auburn National Championship team. Mm. Then his career in college Mark, spiraled. Do you see now why I've always been so confident about this? Because I always thought true talent or true lack of talent would win out. He doesn't have the talent nor the drive. Well, I got, a, one I, thing I got that, a hot take on this. Okay. I am going to compliment the Raiders. One of the wow. reasons why Trent Richardson was terrible with the Colts was because he could never get to his ideal playing weight. The Raiders are saying you can't take the field until you get to what we see as your ideal playing weight, mm. which is probably 15 pounds lighter than he was in Cleveland. And I've seen reports from guys who saw Trent Richardson said he's in great shape right now. It's just not quite to where the Raiders want him. Even the coaches said that too, that he, is, that he came in close. They weren't, they weren't killing the guy. Yeah, that's great, but Latavius Murray is their starter. Halu is a great third down back, and then suddenly your number three back who doesn't play special teams, you got to try to make the team. So he's got an uphill battle. Let's so, not act like Latavius Murray is Adrian Peterson here. Hey. He's well, not they exact- like him a lot, though. Well, let's not, not act exactly uh, They like him a lot. You're suddenly acting like, uh, you know, Reggie McKenzie, your boy, and uh, <laughs> Jack Del Rio are, like, you know, geniuses for having right. a, a Because you, you could also th- – if he is actually in good condition – it's just they, they're getting caught up in the semantic. Then it's like, that's not necessarily a good decision either. Let him on the field. Let him play if he's actually in good shape. No, I think you have to. If he's with, 221 instead of no. 220, Maybe get him on it the was what they Trent, agreed you to. to. You need the carrot and the stick with Trent. He yeah. has to stay motivated. <laughs> oh, I cut think, this guy. No, get him out what? of football. You're right, though. When he left the Browns, there were not too many people crying about it yeah. because of what was going on behind the scenes. I think the Colts found the same thing. He had a suspension to end last year, right? Yeah. And now the Raiders, who, yeah, they're one of those teams that can't turn a lot of players away, but they will turn him away. You'd and I've agreed to give Dan a sandwich in week four <laughs> if he takes no snaps. But if he does, even three years from now, play again, you owe me two sandwiches. Sure. To up for uh, you know what? That's fine with me. I'm on the sandwich comeback trail. Wes, <laughs> give me an arrow downer. I don't have any arrow downers because I don't believe there can be losers after a few days of training camp. Give us another winner then. <laughs> give us Who has a stock up? Marcus, we- wait, wait, wait a second. We're not going to let that pass. This is the second time in two shows, Wes, you're undercutting one of our segments. There's nobody you've been a little bit, oh, that's interesting about, or you've, you've thought maybe there's well, some, some reason to be alarmed about anything in the NFL right now? Stock down. I would say maybe Junior Gallette and the Redskins, but we already right. talked about that. All right, good. I, well, this, this, I know who you're going to say for your stock up. It kind of goes along with another guy being stocked down. Go ahead. Wait, are you going to say Martavis Bryant is stocked down? Well, he, m- he might struggle to get as many snaps as some fantasy owners are, help- are looking for. 
Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger came out this weekend and said that Marcus Wheaton, he thinks, will be the Steelers' breakout player of the year. And you know what? That could be just him kind of trying to light a fire under a guy who's an important player for them. But he also talked about Wheaton will be in two wide receiver sets alongside Antonio Brown and then moving to the slot in three wide sets. So the takeaway to me is he's playing more snaps than Martavis Bryant. Mm. And Martavis Bryant had a minor surgery. Ben Roethlisberger talking up Wheaton. I mean, uh, if you're drafting Martavis Bryant in the sixth round of fantasy drafts, that would that would be a little bit of a stock down. Well, that's where Martavis some people Bryant. are doing it too. His, right. his name's shot through the roof. NFL media's Albert Breer in one of his stories last week reported before Big Ben made these comments that w- the coaches told him that Wheaton had the best offseason of all their wide receivers. Mm. Wheaton is a good – he does make fancy red zone catches. Like, he makes tough catches. He hasn't stood out a ton. He was on our making the leap list last summer. Yeah, maybe well, that don't mean much. one week too early. <laughs> one year too early. That's our thing. It happens. Uh, Greg, arrow down. Well, I know Stephen Hill's not exactly uh, – Big time mm. player in the NFL right now, but his week was so bad that it I was felt, notable. I felt like it had to be noted. On Wednesday, he was cited for a drug uh, paraphernalia charge after a routine Can't traffic stop. I think what did he have with him? <laughs> you guys, do you guys remember? He had, I think, two grinders. Yeah, he had some which drug paraphernalia allows you to. And Brandon McGinnis behind the glass told me about this. It allows you to take <laughs> marijuana buds and crush them in a, in a way that you can then put them into some type of you know whether it be a bowl or a joint or uh, you know even like a, a cigar va- vape pen who knows a lot of different things you can do with drugs and i wouldn't say do any of them so on wednesday that happens brendan did not tell me that by the way <laughs> that was a joke <laughs> oh so this, oh, is, really, all, this is all I, hands is homegrown information yeah that's just I, information you know i totally believe homegrown it. brandon is, definitely looks like a guy who who has the inside scoop on this oh yeah totally i mean <laughs> as you can see he was so believable with saying that so uh, Brandon's on his way to the Grateful Dead uh, fish reunion show. (laughs) Sully, maybe. Uh, So that happens to Hill on Wednesday. On Saturday, he unfortunately tears his uh, ACL at Panthers camp. And then on Sunday, he gets released by the team. It's a brutal, it's a brutal mm. week, and for a guy who, for what it's worth, people were talking him up as as having a great off season that he was going to make the team and everything, and it just shows like how fast your fortunes can change in the NFL. And that's a good segue to my arrow down because Stephen Hill, Greg was a former second round pick of the Jets. The Jets' second round pick this year is Devin Smith, a wide receiver, and uh, he he has some busted ribs that he hurt in practice after making a really nice catch. Uh, he's expected to miss the rest of training camp, and that's just you know not a good start for the Jets. The camp not only have Devin Smith, who is supposed to be a big part of their offense, who is now going to be way behind the ball uh, with this rib injury. You have, of course, as we talked about, Sheldon Richardson, and that's a major uh, you know issue hanging over camp now, which you don't like. And then uh, more minor, but something to watch: Mo Wilkerson uh, uh, tweaked his hamstring in practice, so he could miss a little bit of time. So you put those three together. I'm not thrilled, but the Devin Smith thing. Uh, especially to me is bad because I think they have big designs on him and you take a rookie and take him out of his first training camp. Uh, that could mean a situation where you look back in January and you're like, Oh, why didn't Devin Smith work? And they could just point to that. He never got on track. Dan, I want to check your P level. Yeah. Uh, week one Browns jets in <laughs> New York. Where are you? Uh, I would be very confident. The jets defense will find a way to stop. The iconic. Answer the question. Top five quarterback, Josh McCown. Uh, my P scale level is at one and a half. Wow. 
Mine is much higher because I've already noted, I've told Dan, the Jets will win that game 42-3. Right. to three. Well, no, I like the angle you're taking, but your Terrell Pryor uh, meltdown before betrays the fact that you're still <laughs> very optimistic about this team. I think that could be a very close I'm game. I'm not optimistic. I, don't think the Jets are a great I just team. don't like them being treated as a sub-NFL team. That There's 31 <laughs> NFL teams, and then there's the Browns, and that's how we treat them. That's fair. Jets arrow up. Whoa. Look at Devin Smith. I mean, this guy was going to be their fourth receiver. A couple of years ago, he would have been the best player on their offense. Mm. Okay, I like that. But he's, Dan's right that rookies that miss training camp, a lot of times they never really recover from that. Now, if you're Odo Beckham, like that. I didn't if you're like Beckham that it doesn't I, matter. But like Kevin White, for instance, has not practiced in Chicago. It sounds like he might not for another week or more, and like sometimes that's tough to catch up on. Where were Devin Smith's snaps going to come from as a rookie? I think they early. were going to use him as a guy that they would send deep. I think he was going to have a role in that offense. Yeah, like probably like 10 snaps a game maybe. Oh, come on. No, I would have thought more. If, if it will, all went well. Decker, Marshall, and then Jeremy Curley's a good slot. I don't I don't see Devin Smith coming in and playing big snaps even if he was healthy. I think there was buzz that Jeremy Curley could see a decrease in time if they fell in love with Devin Smith. Well, there's still time for this to happen late yeah, season. Yeah, for sure. It's not the end. Jet season means. is over. Three and thirteen. <laughs> yeah. By the way, additional Jeremy winner. Jeremy Curley, their best receiver for the past three or four years, is now like an afterthought. Mm. And that's good. Well, that's what he should be. The um, additional winner, arrow up, Philip Rivers' prolific private parts. Whoa. <laughs> Phil and his wife, Tiffany, are expecting their sixth daughter, which will bring the total count to eight children. This from Gil Brandt. It's a lot of kids. That's major news for Gil Brandt to be breaking. That he <laughs> broke the news. I, I think I saw it on did, his Twitter feed. He did break the news. I even know his source on. This. He's going to be like ninety-one years old, Philip Rivers, one day, and have like two hundred and forty-eight grandchildren sitting <laughs> around him. I think it's going to pay off big time. We had seven kids in my family. Only four grandkids, I think. Well, I can't. Well, that explain was like that. a reaction to that. That was. I like, don't want to bring more kids into <laughs> this madness of a world. Healthy, just like you, Wesling, a healthy, robust Catholic family. Philip Rivers raising. Um, also, his wife named Tiffany. If you were born between 1980 and 1989 and your name was Tiffany, you were an attractive person. Mm. You're attractive. No, that's true. I had name one right. unattractive Tiffany because nobody gets named Tiffany anymore. Not really. But in the 80s, it was the rage, and every one of those women grew up to be attractive. Every Never one of seen them. An un- unattractive that's, a fair, that's a fair point. That's a lot of pressure you're putting on your daughter, but I guess they all come. It's almost her. like there's something that it clicks inside. It's I don't know. Well, she's the real star of the household. I mean, eight, eight kids. Oh, God bless her. That's, that's what insane. a woman. Never met her, but that's both of them. You know, great role models. I wonder he wants a bigger contract. It's a, a lot of mouths to feed. You know, handsome Hank, uh, you know, Damashek's cohort has three kids. And when I go over his house. I like house, to think of him as a sidekick. That's point. one way to put it. Uh, when I when I go over to his house, it's, you know. A war zone. There's just th- little well, kids I have running two. all over I the place. I have two in my backyard. Half the time looks like, you know, a, a low-level 1986 Detroit scenario. <laughs> I mean, there's like couldn't there's like 600 toys and hammers and scissors and newspaper flowing across my yard. And this oh, is after Detroit in 86. Are there any homeless people in your backyard? No. <laughs> not that I know of. I'm not there enough, I guess. All right. That's any, any others you want to throw out? Let's get out of here. We got two Arrow down, TD. <laughs> oh, wow. after an MVP, you're no, going no, no. After. I'm just saying, you know, we we win or lose a podcast, we have to. We, Greg has to text four days later to find out. I mean, how about keep us updated? Speaking of MVP, I won't reveal. The polls are still open uh, until TD returns, which is when, Brandon? Thursday, but 
for you guys. Take your Friday. time, TD. <laughs> it's only training camp. A lot of movement in those polls over the last few days. The polls are moving. The polls are open. Will the MVP segment continue? So um, you could you could find it on our Around the NFL page, the link to get to it. That's what Mark was doing all weekend. Just Where are we now? <laughs> oh, uh, I voted once. You know what? Thing. I'd rather not get into it. I will say that it was very close uh, after about 24 hours, and right. then the last subsequent 72 hours – one side of this has surged ahead. So if you feel strongly one way or the other, it's time to vote if you want to save or get rid of TD's baby. And that's it for the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with another show. The four of us, Mark, I know you're leaving soon, right? I will be here. Oh, you will? Good. All right, so uh, get ready. More shows. This is Dan Hansa signing off for The Sizzler, The Mailman, The Boss, and Brenda Bond. Ah! <laughs> Blew it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.